singing today. Good to see you this morning. I hope that you have had a wonderful weekend. Turn in your Bibles with me to Nehemiah chapter 7, please. Nehemiah chapter 7. So good to see Suzanne Sears with us this morning. She has been going through some chemo, and uh, doctors have given her a, a good report. She continues to um, uh, impress them. They, uh, I talked to her husband last week. The doctors are impressed with their medicine, and Suzanne told them she's impressed with her God, and uh, there's a big difference between the two. And so we're glad, good to see her, and good to see each of you here today. And uh, I want to um, I want to bring a message this morning out of the book of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is an Old Testament uh, book. Nehemiah was uh, was a man. He wasn't a, a priest. He wasn't a, a prophet. He was concerned about his his country. Um, I won't go through the entire book of Nehemiah. There's just so much there. But we find ourselves in uh, the middle of this this book. Israel is Nehemiah's home country. Jerusalem is the city that once was a city that the the greatness of God was seen in this city. That was seen through uh, the the temple. Where, where the people would come and, and worship the Lord and do sacrifice to the Lord. And God called his people. There was a, uh, a group of people, the Israelites. God promised a covenant with a man by the name of Abraham. And, and through his seed, he was going to make a great and mighty nation, and he was going to bless this nation. This nation is the nation of Israel as we, as we know it. And this nation God called out of Egypt and brought into the promised land, and God wanted to be their God. That was the whole, the whole point of this nation was, was God was in charge. This nation did not need a king because they had God, and God was going to be their ruler. God was going to lead them in battle. Everything that a, that a, a human king uh, in other nations did, God said, I'm going to do this for Israel, and we, we've studied. I, I um, I had heard that our guest speaker, while I was gone, he, he went to a, uh, a familiar passage of scripture for our church. He went to the uh, first Samuel and, and uh, I appreciate you being nice to him. I asked him Saturday night that night, I said, so what are you gonna preach? And he told me, and I didn't have the heart to say, I've been there for the last two or three weeks uh, uh, preaching, but uh, uh, I didn't wanna mess with him and mess him up, but uh, I already preached a good message and helped our church. But God gave the people what they asked for. He gave them a king, King Saul. And if you've been here the last several weeks, you know Saul was not the king that the people needed. Saul became selfish and self-centered. Saul caused the people to want to worship him instead of turning them to God. Then there was a king by the name of Ahab in the Bible. He married a, a woman by the name of Jezebel. And Jezebel was from a, a strange land, and, and uh, many Bible scholars believe that marriage was an arranged marriage for, for, for political reasons. And so Ahab's father uh, uh, married him to Jezebel, who was a princess. Her father was a, a king of a strange land. And, and this is what God did not want the Israelites to do, because what she brought to Israel was the worship of her God, and her God was Baal. 
And they set up groves and set up, uh, 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 um, brought, she brought in priests with her. And, and these priests, instead of uh, uh, doing sacrifices to the one true God, they did sacrifices to, to Baal and, and to their gods because they could not rationalize worshiping an invisible God. They had to have something in front of them they could worship. And, and Jezebel brought these things into Israel and with these things in, in these priests that would worship, there were these, these temples that were set up and, and there were women and even men in these temples that when you came to sacrifice, they were, they were prostitutes. And you could imagine the sinfulness that would take place in Israel where none of this was supposed to take place. And what they began to do is began to marriage was no longer necessary and, and sexual sins were just prominent in the land. And, 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 and just from there, it just got to be a place that God said, I've got to judge my people. It's eerily similar to the way society has gone today. If you look at our own nation in, in, the world, the culture that we live in, it just seems like anything godly is put away. Do whatever you want to do. Live however you want to live. Serve whoever you want to serve. We find in Nehemiah that God had judged Israel for, for this, for leaving him and, and, and serving other gods. And Nehemiah finds the condition that his, his, his city is in Jerusalem, this once great na uh, nation, this one great city where God was seen and God was worshiped now is just, it's, it's a shell of what it used to be. And Nehemiah has a burden. He goes back to this city and, and, and the Bible tells us that he, draw, he walks around this city by night and, and he views the, the brokenness of the city and the brokenness of the people. And he begins to work in verse number one of chapter number seven, the Bible says this, now it came to pass when the wall was built. And so the wall was torn down and the gates were burned. And now we find ourselves at a place that the Bible says they've rebuilt these walls. They've set up the doors and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. Imagine what happened now at this place. This place was once a place where the temple of, of God was and, and Solomon sat on this throne and, and, and the blessings of God were on this place. And then it was in total ruin, total ruin. Nothing was happening. The people were taken into bondage and in this once great city now just sits in ruins and Nehemiah comes along and, and revival begins to happen again in the heart of the people and they, they have a mind to work and, and they realize that, that they've forsaken their God and they say, we're going to restore what once was. And they've built this city back and where there was no singing, there's singers now. Where, where there was no life, there's now life once again. Where there was no protection, they're starting to see protection. Where, where the worship of God was ceased, they're starting to see the worship take place again. And then he says he gave his brother Hananiah and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God above many. In verse number three, and I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. 
And while they stand by, uh, let them shut the doors and bar them and appoint watches of the inhabitants of Jerusalem, everyone in his watch. I want you to see this is my thought for this message this morning. And everyone to be over against his house. And everyone to be over against his house. This past week, I... Uh, took my son to a baseball game. All the things I missed this summer doing with him, I am going to do during school. <laughs> no, I'm not really, but I had tickets that I uh, needed to use, and it was a day game. I took my son out of school, and I took him up to this this baseball game at uh, in, in Detroit. And as we were going in, um, we had to empty our pockets and and go through a metal detector. And I thought to myself, where has society come where you, you can't even go to a baseball game? You've got to go through these metal detectors. And where has society come? Murder and crime. Afraid that somebody's going to come in and, and, and hurt a stadium full of people. And we, we agree that society is changing. You'd agree to that. It appears daily that we see the demise of our culture and the demise of society. We see it, it almost seems like, like we live in the day now, as the Bible said, that right is wrong and, and wrong is right. It just, it seems you hear the arguments of people that you just think it's so against God. Society, though, Society isn't destroying our Christian homes. As bad as society gets, it's not society that's going to destroy our Christian homes. It's not society that's going to get our, our children out of godly homes, out of Christian homes. Society isn't destroying the, our kids. Society isn't destroying our homes. It's what we're doing in our homes that are destroying our homes. It's what we're doing, what we're allowing. It's what Israel allowed in Israel that destroyed Israel. The nations that God warned Israel of, they were already wicked. There was wickedness in the land. And God said to Israel, when you come into this land, I don't want you to bring in strangers. I don't want you marrying other, other nations. I don't want you bringing in their worship and their gods and their culture because what you're going to do is you're going to begin to worship that culture and those gods and you're going to turn from me. And I realized this as I studied through and think about Israel. It wasn't society that caused Israel to turn from God. It was Israel. It was what Israel let into their nation and into their city and into their home. That's what destroyed Israel. Israel could have been a successful nation. The people of Israel did not have to go into bondage in Babylon. God did not have to bring judgment upon the people of Israel. Israel could have stayed right with God but they chose not to. And so often we, we pray, and I 
I hope that we do. We pray for revival in our home, and we should. We pray for a, a great awakening, a great movement in our homes and in our churches, and, and we should. And, and I want you to know this morning, that no matter what culture you live in, no matter what society you live in, Christian, you can have peace in your home. There doesn't have to be peace in society in order for the Christian to have peace in their home. We, we don't find peace in society in what society offers us. We find peace in God, in his son, Jesus Christ. We can experience true revival in our, in our home. We can raise godly children. We can have godly marriages. We can have a godly home, even in a broken society. I think this, sometimes we, we think this because society is so wicked, we don't have a chance. Well, I want you to know this this morning, no matter how bad society gets, God is still powerful. God is still sitting on his throne. God is still full of grace and full of mercy and full of strength. And what God is looking for as a society is broken, he's looking for a, a people that aren't broken, that rise above that society so that society can see that there is a one true God that brings peace and brings contentment. We can experience true joy, but none of those things, peace and revival and joy, none of those things we'll experience if we're trying to find them in this world. As I see this verse, I want you to outline this, and I want you to draw a circle around this, and I want you to, to mark this in your heart, please, this morning. The Bible said, in every one to be over against his house. And everyone to be over against his house. We need to guard the gates of our homes. And parents, that's your job. Our job as parents is to guard the houses, guard the gates, guard the doors of our homes. Nehemiah finds that once great city, this city that was once looked to, this city, this is the city that the queen of Sheba came and said, I'm paraphrasing, but she said, what I've heard and what I see, and what I see doesn't even compare to what I've heard. What I heard was good, but what I see is so much better than what I've ever heard. This city is an amazing city. This city is the city of the one true God and Nehemiah finds this city that once was the, that once had this reputation, he finds it now in ruins. He, fall, he finds walls that are torn down and gates that are burned with fire. And Nehemiah, he says, says this, because of our sin, the, the enemy has dominion over our bodies and, and we are in great distress. He recognized this and he caused the people, the, the few that were left there, 
that were going to begin to build, the few that were left there that were gonna begin to restore what once was, he, he, he tells them, he reminds them, it's because of your sin, the enemy has dominion over our bodies. And because of that, we're in great distress. And what he was trying to get the people to understand was this, sin will always lead you to a place where you find yourself distressed. But sin always disguises itself as something good. Sin always describes itself as something pleasurable. And a matter of fact, the Bible does say this, that it's pleasurable for a season, but there is a payday for sin. It always leads you and leaves you in a place of distress. It always does. And Nehemiah realizes that, and he starts, he starts the rebuilding he starts that with bringing the attention to the people. What got us here was sin. When the enemy is taken over and their homes are filled with sin, it leads to distress and it leads to ruin. Now hear me this morning, please. And I know, I know church, if you were to, look at some of the most recent messages I've preached, you might say, boy, he's, he seems to always be harping on sin. It's because we deal with it every day. None of us are perfect. Every one of us face temptations. There's an enemy. There's an enemy that wants to destroy you and your home. There's an enemy that wants to destroy this church. That same enemy is the enemy that we find in the book of Nehemiah. That same enemy is the same enemy that, that uh, enticed the, the nation of Israel. And, and so often, so often through the word of God, we find the end result of sin. We don't have to be there. But Nehemiah finds a city that they've been taken over by sin and their homes are destroyed and their homes are in distress, their homes are in ruin. At one time, churches stood for this book and, and families stood for this book. Matter of fact, I would, I would encourage you, if you have children in, in your home, read your Bible in your home. Open, open your Bible, pray with your children. Don't, don't just leave reading the Bible in prayer to what happens in Sunday school. That's not enough. It's not the responsibility of our Sunday school teachers to guard the gates of your home. It's your responsibility, parent, to, to guard the, the doors and guard the gates of your home. And you can't bring them to a, a Sunday school for an hour and think that that's all they need to, to, to get them through the week and, and to get them and raise them in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. The, the Sunday school, the church is here to help you, but, but it's the responsibility of the parent to, to guard the home. And your kids ought to have a, a reminder constantly growing up of the Bible being opened. You, you need to, as you, as you instruct your children, parents, you need to be opening the Bible saying, this is what God says. 
There's often many a times in our home, my wife and I will tell our children, now this is just a rule that we have in our home. And if you, if you decide when you turn 18 and you have children of your own, if you decide not to follow this rule, you're not breaking any, any Bible commands. You're just doing something different than mom and dad. That rule might be we go to bed at 9.30. That rule might be you, you don't go in the refrigerator anytime you want and eat ice cream, you know? Whatever those rules. I can't find a biblical verse to say this is why we do things. We just do things because your mom and dad is Jeremy and Michelle Rance. And when you get older, if you want to eat ice cream at midnight, go ahead. Dad does. Mom just doesn't know about it. So I'm just kidding. <laughs> But there's certain rules. It's not if you break these that you're breaking the law. You're not going against the Holy Spirit. Or you're not, 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 not making God angry. They're just, they're just rules we keep. But there are certain things that you have to do because if you don't, you're violating God's word. And I want my children to know what those are. And if they never keep a Rand's rule when they get older, that's fine. But if they break God's word, that's not fine. And that's my responsibility to show them. And then I want to bring them to a place that reinforces that. But I want them to learn in our home. And so it takes opening the Bible. It takes prayer. But, but I'm afraid sometimes, and even in some of our best homes, fathers don't open their Bibles anymore. In some of our best homes, Dads aren't leading their families in prayer. Now, we pray over our food, and, and it's a quick prayer because we, you know, we, we, we're really uncomfortable. But husbands and wives, one of the most uncomfortable things they do is pray together. Matter of fact, there's some, if you tonight grabbed your spouse's hand and, and began to really truly pray, they'd be alarmed at what was happening. That ought not be in a Christian home. The evidence of the Holy Spirit moving ought to be what we find in a Christian home. The Word of God ought to be opened in the Christian home. Prayer ought to be made constantly in a, in a Christian's home. And so that our young people, our children, they understand that there's principles of God's Word that we must follow because if we don't, we will end in ruin. We'll end in ruin. We must stand for the word of God. And in Nehemiah chapter number seven and verse number one, I want you to see this this morning. The Bible says, now it came to pass when the wall was built. And I had set up the doors. I want you to see the walls were built. The doors were set up. Nehemiah, he came to a broken place, but it didn't have to stay that way. What, what allowed for this to happen, the walls to be built, the doors to be fixed, where the people had a mind to work. The Bible says that they, they took picks and they took shovels and, and they asked God to give them strength to rebuild the wall. There's a seriousness about this. 
they, they realize what sin does and they realize the devastation that sin brought them to. And, and so what they did was they, they then in turn said, we're, we're, we're gonna put away the things that got us here and we're gonna pick up the things that are necessary to fix this. And what's interesting, and I, I want you to see this morning, it didn't matter how broken it was, God can fix it. And, and, and sometimes we preach, and sometimes I'm, I'm guilty of this. I preach in such a way, and it, and it leaves the person that says, okay, I, I'm guilty of that, so now what do I do? All right, you, you, you've nailed the sin that is involved. In my, I, I understand. I look at my life, and I see the devastation, and I see the effect of sin. All right, I get it. So, so then what happens? I, I say this, what Nehemiah said. You, you pick up that shovel, and you pick up the pick, and you, and you begin to work on the things that are failed. And with God's help, and with God's grace, and with God's strength, you can restore what sin is broken. They built the wall. We, we need, we need parents, we need grandparents that are serious about the work, that are serious. We, we need adults that are guarding the house, they're over against the house and and they're doing the things that are necessary. I, um, I, love, I love the golf. I, I am horrible at it, but I love to do it. And the truth is, if I could, I really think I could golf every day. I've said to my wife, when we, when we get older, uh, and, and we're looking at retirement, what I, what I want to do is I want to buy a, just downsize to a, a little, little condo on a golf course. And, and I want to golf. I think that would be great. And she says, I want to buy a bigger house and I want you home because we have five children. And if all five children have five children, we're going to have 25 grandchildren and man, I, that just made me tired thinking about that. I mean, I got the ice pack out and I'm laying on the chair. 25 grandchildren. And I thought to myself, boy, how selfish my desires were. And I'm not saying anything's wrong with golf. I've, I'm not saying anything's wrong with hobbies. But I'm saying this, I think we've come to a place where sometimes our interests and our hobbies have taken away from our families and what God has called us to do. We're filling it with things that God never intended us to fill it with. I'm thinking getting away from everybody and everything when I ought to be thinking getting involved with everyone in everything that God has blessed my life with picking up that ax and picking up that pick and picking up that shovel in working, we, we need to work. 
The Bible tells us to occupy till he comes. And I, and I, and I know that, that, that occupying is, is winning souls for Christ. And, and that occupying is, is, is sharing the gospel around the world. And, and I believe that occupying for the Christian husband is to be the Christian husband that God, he, he, he puts you on this earth to be. He saved you to be, to be that Christian wife that God saved you to be. And it takes work. You know what I've realized, and I know many of you have come to the same realization as well. If you want to have a healthy relationship, marriage, you want to have godly children, it takes work. It doesn't come easy. Sometimes if we're not careful, we look at, say, maybe someone else, and we say, boy, I wish I had a marriage like that. And I want you to understand, you can. It takes work. Well, I, I wish my kids were like that. You can. It takes work. None of those things come by accident. It comes by work. And so I find here the work that was involved, the rebuilding of the wall. And secondly, I want you to see this. The Bible says this in same verse, and the porters and the singers and the Levites were appointed. And then he gave, in verse two, he gave my brother Hananiah, and Hananiah, the ruler of the palace, charge over Jerusalem. You know what he then, then did? He, he put leaders in charge. He appointed leaders. In our work of the Lord, we, we need leaders. If God's given you the gift and God's given you a talent, and I've said this, if I've said it once over these last three years here, I've said it a hundred times. If God has given you something, he's given it to you to use for the work of the Lord. That's why he's gifted that to you. He's gifted so that you would be involved in the work of the Lord. And, and these men and these women that were singers and these that were in charge of these many areas, you know, here we find leaders were appointed. We, we need leaders. You know, we, we have leaders in this church. And I would say to the, to the deacons, to the advisory board in this church, you've, you've got leadership in this church. If, 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 if I or anyone ever stood behind this, this pulpit and began to preach things that were contrary to the word of God, I would hope that we would have men in this church that would stand and say, that can't happen here in this place. Godly men and godly women who care about the house of God. And that's what he did. He, he, he reinstated and put people back in the place they cared about the house of God. They were going to protect the walls and the gates and their homes so that, that the enemy couldn't get back in. Members, no matter who you are, if you member of this church, you attend this church, there should be times in your life that you're fasting and you're praying uh, that God would keep this place pure. That's the responsibility of everyone here. Well, so now that's the pastor's responsibility. You, you just keep praying. That's the responsibility of everyone here in this church. They have such care and compassion and love that, that you would fast, that you would pray, that you would sacrifice so that God would continue to have a place, a, a lighthouse, that his truth would go forth. That's what every single person, everyone is involved in the work of the Lord. Not just Nehemiah, not just his brother, not just the priest, but, but everyone was involved in the work of the Lord and every single person ought to be involved in this work. And then I find in verse number three, my, my text verse, this verse and the Bible says, and everyone to be over against his house. And 
listen to me this morning. Please hear me. I'm responsible for what comes into my home. And so are you. Somebody has to guard your door. And if you don't guard your door, sin will creep in. We've left a door open and one time in our house, we left a door open and I looked and um, uh, we had a dog at our house. It wasn't ours. Just walking around our kitchen and it was a big dog. It was like taking food off our counter. And it was a big dog, so I wasn't going to stop it. And I found out someone left the door open and the dog came in. The dog didn't belong in our house, but guess what? It was there because nobody was at the door. There was another time we, we um, found a neighbor kid in our house, just, just in our house. There was nothing to give the, dog, the, the neighbor kid to eat because the dog that came before the neighbor kid ate all the food. But, but that neighbor kid was just in our house. And I, who are you and what are you doing here? I don't know. The door was open. We found just recently the, the gate. I, I'm, I'm getting on my kids. You can't leave the gate open because the dogs get out. Well, it's not my kids. It's the neighbor kids that come play in our yard there's no one guarding the gate. There's no one guarding the door. And, and when no one guards the door, something's going to come in. And I think if we're not careful, church, we've gotten so comfortable thinking everything's going to be okay. We live in a good neighborhood. I take my kids to Sunday school. They go to youth group. They, they, I, I go to a Bible study. I go to the ladies' Bible study. I go to church. I, 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 we live in a good neighborhood spiritually. Well, you could do all of those things, but if you don't guard the door of your house, you're going to find that something's going to come in. And what, what comes in is, is going to destroy you. And that's what happened to Israel. And, and why, don't, why don't we see that, that time and time again over history, God warns us of that. And for whatever reason, we think that it's not going to happen to us. Parents, you, you've got to guard your home. You need to know what's going on in your home. And I, I know we, we live, and I, I'm going to say a few things here this morning, and, and you might think, boy, that, I, I can't believe you do that, but you need to know what's going on in your kid's room. Last I checked, it was your home. They just occupy that space. I, I, I want to know what, what happens in my kid's rooms. My wife is the best undercover agent you'll find. She finds stuff, and I said, where'd you find that? Well, they thought they had a good hiding spot. 
You say, well, I, I, I would never, ever, ever violate my child's space. Then you're violating scripture because God gave you that child to raise in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And if you aren't going to take your responsibility seriously, like God wants you to, your child is going to have sin in their life. I promise you. Because you're going to let that door open. You need to know what's happening because you've got to guard the door. Maybe you're here today and you say, boy, I'm fighting that battle in my home right now. I want you to know you're not alone. And you need to take the responsibility of parenting that God gave you seriously. And it's not going to be easy and there's going to be a fight and, and, and you might hear that that's mine and in and, 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 and love and in kindness and, and with patience, you instruct that child's heart. Look with me, he says this, and, and I said unto them, let not the gates of Jerusalem be open until the sun be hot. And what is he saying there then? There's nothing done in secret. There's nothing done in darkness. What we do from this point forward is we let the light shine on everything. You know what I find too often? There are things that are done between husbands and wives. There's things that are done between parents and children. There's things that are done in a home that somebody's trying to do in darkness and in secret. And you can't do it in secret and expect you to thrive. Everything's got to be brought out into the open. Because you've got to guard your home. Nothing done in darkness because all that's done in darkness leads to sin. We have a rule in our home. I didn't need this rule growing up because we didn't, we didn't have all the electronics, all of the, all of the things that our kids have today. But if you... If I said to you this, I'm going to let my children have the privacy and, and in that privacy, I'm going to give them a device and in, with that device, I'm going to give them the capability that they can search every single wicked, vile, sinful act that has ever been thought of and will be thought of on the face of this earth. And I'm going to put them alone with that. You would say to me, that's insane as a parent. But you do that when you put technology in private in your child's hand with no accountability. Most of us as adults can't handle that kind of temptation. A young child can't either. We have a rule, we, no electronics in your room. And when, when even, even my son who, first thing he did when he came home from basic training that first night is he, he took his iPad, he took his phone and he, put it on a charger in our, in our kitchen. And he went upstairs. He, he didn't even ask, dad, now that I'm graduated from basic training, can, can, can you treat me, you know, like, no. <laughs> because I can't trust myself, I'm human. There's gotta be accountability. And, and we, we say to our children, you, you can't just get on. Have you, have you ever been on the internet and something pop up? And I don't want to be graphic, but something pop up and you say, what is that all about? Well, it didn't do it because it, it knew your age and it knew who you were. It'll do it to your children as well. You've got to guard your home is what I'm saying to you this morning. 
If not, you're going to end in demise. You're going to say, where did that happen? What, when did that happen? It happened when you, you got soft. It happened when you walked away from your responsibility. It, it happened when you took your responsibility for granted. It happened when you left the door open. And I want you to know today that Satan is just waiting for you. And he'll wait as long as he has to. He'll wait for you to, to, to get comfortable. He'll wait for you to get lazy. He'll wait for you to, to leave that door open. And, and that, at that moment, at that, that, that singular moment, is he, he, he's going to go in. And he's going to present temptations that can destroy your home. Believe me. I, I, I count so often people say, I never thought it would happen to me. I want to say to you this, adults, with your electronics. When your spouse is asleep, your electronics should be asleep too. So now you're prying. Now I'm trying to help you. Because nothing good takes place when you're a little frustrated with your spouse. When you've had a, a bad day, a... Uh, and you left the door unguarded and you're sitting in the wee hours of the morning, it's not helpful. And it'll bring disaster. And TV programs, you know, we've come to the place and boy, some people this morning are going to say, boy, he's lost it. But I'm telling you the truth. We've come to a place where we're just so... Uh, we, we put on television set with cursing and, and we'd never let our kids to curse, but we, 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 we put on that. My, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that God gave me a godly wife that she, he gets the hint of one thing and she's like, it's done. It's over. We're not, we're not, well, let's give it a second chance. We're not giving it a second chance. It's done. Cursing and, vile sexual things. We, we watch programs where men and women live together and, and, and we laugh and we, uh, then we, we tell our children that's not good, but we put it before them constantly. We, we, we put programs in front of them with drunkenness and, and then we tell them to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It, someone's got to watch the door. Someone's got to stand at the door of your home and someone needs to stand against his house and someone needs to say, not again. Parents, are you standing at the door of your home guarding against the enemy? Are you, are you standing there? You say, well, I, I, I give my children space. You're not there to give them space. You're there to protect them. I give them space. You're not there to give them space. You're there to guard the house. You're there to keep the enemy out. You're there to be the parent that, that God wants you to be. And I remember as a young child, I, I remember going into my son's room. He'd be sleeping in his bed. And I'd lay over him and I'd say, oh God, help me to be the dad he needs to be. I, I pray, I pray often, maybe not as much as I should, but I pray often, 
I pray for those future boys that'll be married to my girls one day. And I, I pray that there's a parent right now praying over these beds of their boys that are sleeping, saying, oh God, keep them pure. I spoke to Jacob last week. I took him to this ball game and I, I really, I, he doesn't like baseball and I knew it. Um, it didn't matter who was playing. I just wanted to spend time with him. I wanted to talk with him. And, and so I talked with him for an hour and 10 minutes the whole way, the whole way up. And, and, and we talked about relationships and we talked about what to look for to wife. And I, I just poured my heart out to him. He said, this is what you need. And this is why you, you, you think mom and dad might be hard in these certain areas and you, you, you might not understand. I, I want you to understand. I'm just trying to guard the gate, guard the door because I want God to use you. Now, we're all going to make mistakes, but I want him to be protected against those mistakes that are going to affect him the rest of his life. Why? Because I want to guard the door to my house. You know what Nehemiah said? I'm going to have Matt and those that are going to lead in our invitation this morning. Would you come? Nehemiah said, let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild the gates. And then he said this, go against your own house. You know what he was saying? Protect those doors. Stand guard. And maybe this morning, and you say, well, I don't have kids left in the home. That's okay. You still have to guard your home. I hear more and more. I hear more and more husbands and wives that have been married 30 and 35 years splitting up. Why is that? Because you didn't guard your house. It's not just guarding it while you have children. It's guarding it every, every age and every phase of life until the time you have no more breath and you see your savior, you've got a job to do and that's guarding your home. And the minute you stop is the minute we're in trouble.